You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. Every week as we turn to God's Word, we, I think we need to remember that we need to be humble in doing so because, well, without the Lord's help, we wouldn't have a clue what is going on in God's Word. We need the Lord to open our eyes. So let me just read Psalm 119, verse 18 as our prayer to enter God's Word together. Psalmist writes, Open my eyes, that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. Amen. In Formula One, I know they just go round and round in circles pretty much, but don't fall asleep. Hopefully the sermon won't go round and round in circles. But during the race, the racing drivers will get in their radio to come into the pits. As they go into the pits, as their radio message is relayed, the guys come out of the garage with their helmets on, their, their tires wrapped in blankets, and they're all ready to go, waiting for the car to arrive, guns in hand, ready to take the tire off and put it back on. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. Sometimes there's a miscommunication, and as the driver goes into the pits, as he arrives at the pit box, it's called the place where he gets the tires changed over, sometimes there's no one there. The guys aren't ready, and they have to come running out of the garage and grabbing all kinds of things as they weren't ready and prepared for the driver to come in, and it's a disaster for the team and the driver. They weren't ready for the driver to arrive into their pit box. And as we look to Luke chapter 12 today, we need to be ready, not for the driver to come into the pit box, but we need to be ready for Jesus coming back. We need to be ready for Jesus' return because we don't know when it will be. And as we look at these little stories that Jesus shares, we know, even in our own hearts, that we struggle to be faithful servants, even though in the back of our minds somewhere, we know that Jesus is coming back. We know he's coming back, but we still struggle to be faithful. The guys in the pit box, the the garage, they know the driver's going to come in at some point. Normally they know when, but occasionally they don't, and it's a disaster. And we struggle to be faithful servants, even though we know Jesus is coming back. But we must be faithful servants, mustn't we? And because Jesus is coming back, we must be faithful servants. And how are we to be faithful servants? The first way that we can be faithful servants for Jesus, ready for his return, is that we are always ready. We're always ready. Jesus is is linking, almost thinking back to the the Hebrews and the, the Passover meal, if you remember, that Israel had before they left Egypt. They had a Passover meal, and they were to eat it as if they were ready to go. So they had their meal, but they were eating it with sandals on, staff in hand, and their tunics tucked into their belt, as if at any moment God could tell them to go. And in verse 35, Jesus is telling the people, you must be ready to go. You know, there's people that always say, I'm always ready for the road. Not literally always ready for the road, but maybe emergency services have to be always ready for the road. Might be a good example. A call and they could be gone. And Jesus says, that has to be us. Verse 35, we must be dressed and ready. Be dressed and ready to go. It's a roll up your sleeves and, and, and tie your laces. And Jesus says that we must be ready for action. To be a faithful servant, you must always be ready. And Jesus, he's saying, well, imagine this picture. Something that they'd be familiar with. Imagine a master. And the master has a house, and he has servants in the house. And he's way off to a wedding. And we know, wedding's great day out. 
a day full of food and fun. And, well, the party goes on into the, the wee hours of the night. And the master's at this banquet party. He's at it. And, well, we're not quite sure when he's going to come home. And Jesus says that you have to be ready. You have to be anticipating. Because he says, have the, the lamps on. These servants and the masters away are peering out through the window waiting for the master's return. It's like maybe a, a kid waiting on a parent through the window, you know, coming home from work perhaps, or maybe waiting for a visitor to arrive. You're looking out, looking out, so that you're ready to open the door and greet the people. Jesus says, oh, these servants are supposed to be like. They're to be ready for action. It's not the, what we used to do whenever we were teenagers left at home alone. You had to you know, do stuff around the house, mum and dad were out. But it was always a mad dash when you heard the car going through the, the house and you're, oh, get it all done. That's not what it's supposed to be like. It's supposed to be anticipation, waiting with anticipation for the master to come home. And that's what it is to be for us, to be ready in anticipation for Jesus coming home because, well, it's the unknown return. So for this example, the master could come in the second watch of the night or the third watch of the night and, well, Jesus uses that image and the image of the thief to say, well, you don't know when I'm coming home. Because for us, and I think it's fair to say, sometimes we feel, yeah, Jesus is coming back, but it feels as though we're on the, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh watch of the night. It seems to be never ending, but regardless what century we find ourselves in, whether it is AD 70 or 2021, we need to be anticipating Jesus' return, we need to be always ready. Because this unknown return, Jesus illustrates in verse 39, that it, he will be like a thief. He, you don't know what hour that he will turn up in. And, well, what, when this master returns to the house, the unknown arrival, Jesus tells us that we need to be ready. Well, what is it that we, we need to be ready for? How can we be ready the first is to be trusting in Jesus, isn't it? The first way that we are to be ready is to be trusting in the Master Jesus. Otherwise, you're not really serving Jesus. And the second thing is that we are to have our hearts ready for action, that we are actually to be serving Jesus. That's how we are faithful, trusting in Him and always ready for action. And well, are we ready for service? Because Jesus is coming back at any moment be honest. I forget that. Do you forget that? You know, not until this week did it dawn on me again. Jesus is coming back. How different would we live our lives if we kept that in our mind? Jesus is coming back. Revelation ends with, come Lord Jesus. And that should be our prayer too. But we forget. We don't often pray that prayer. Why? Because we have it so nice here, don't we? But thinking of Jesus' return, thinking that Jesus could return at any moment, how different would our last week be? How different will our week in, in this incoming week be? Would we just be filling our stuff with busyness? Or would we be doing work for the kingdom? Or would we be continuing to deliberately sin? Go to that place, look up that on the internet because you enjoy that sin? Or would you be trying to kill sin? Or would you change your family dynamics? Would it change how you relate to others, those who you don't get on with? Would you be more graceful rather than spiteful and harmful if you knew at any moment Jesus could hear you around the corner? I think it would change, wouldn't it? 
But the reality is he hears and sees all we do anyway. But we forget that Jesus is coming back and we need to be ready. But as the servants are waiting for the master, the master is returning home. The servants are watching out for the master return. And as the master comes back, what would you expect? You would expect servants to open the door, take off the cloak of the master, maybe wash his feet, maybe get him a nice sweet drink, maybe a hot chocolate or a glass of water, get him tucked into bed. It was the time of year, maybe a hot water bottle. That's what you'd expect a servant to do. But what happens here? What does God's word say? What happens in verse 37? It's good, isn't it? Jesus will serve. The master serves the servants. The master flips the tables, literally. The master says, you sit down, I will sort you out. It's a great oxymoron, isn't it? The master serves. It's unexpected. As they're listening to the slaves in the Roman world weren't thought of much. They were there to do a job, but they're not thought much of in the most part. They were just, the servants would, normally would just expect to do their job and let their master do whatever he wants. But instead, the master will serve his servants. It's totally unexpected. Jesus will serve his servants. How wonderful is that? How lovely that he, what does the master do? Dress himself to serve and recline. You will recline at the table. That's what the servants do. Whenever Prince Philip passed away, it was a long time ago now, a number of weeks ago, as is the case when anyone dies, everyone starts retelling all these different stories and sharing memories and so on. And well, a man in America by the name of Westry recounts his story of working in the White House. I think in the 70s, the Queen and Prince Philip visited the White House. After they had their dinner, they had their meal, they went retired, chose the correct phrase, to the Red Room. And there they were served drinks and they had a social gathering before they made their way down the corridor to the ballroom. And in the, the, the red room is where Westry and his colleague were serving. And well, after they ushered people out and they went around the room to collect the glasses and what was the mess that was left behind, there in the corner, quietly sitting, was Prince Philip. And in a panic, they said, is there, is there anything we can get you to drink? And apparently, Westry says, Prince Philip said, yes, but only if I can pour for you. So what happened was, Philip took the trays, made them sit down, and poured them a drink. Now, he wasn't the master of the house, but I think it shows the picture. Someone of great importance simply serving the servants. And that's the picture here. Jesus will return, and he will serve us. The one of most greatest importance, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, will serve us. The master blesses them. It's a wonderful picture of God's grace, isn't it? That the master would serve his servants. We get a glimpse of that at the Lord's Supper, don't we? When Jesus washes their feet. And as we live as God's people, we need to be trusting in Jesus, ready for action, because that is how we are to be ready. And when we are ready, there's this great blessing of verse 37, that Jesus will serve us. We should be living as servants, waiting with anticipation for Jesus' return. And since we don't know when he's going to come back, we should not be found slacking. We shouldn't be doing a bad job, as it were. And in the next little section, Jesus tells a different story. And because Jesus is coming back, we're to be faithful servants who are always ready, but also always working. We are to be working servants. Now, not working servants sounds a little bit stupid, doesn't it? Of course, servants will be working, but 
I'm sure you, like me, have worked with people or who maybe aren't always working, or you maybe have called into a shop and you've seen to be more of a hindrance than a help as you look to, to buy something. And people don't always want to work, but as Christians, we should always be working. And well, Peter asked the Lord a question in verse 41. Is this parable for us or for everyone? And we'll, we'll think about that. It's, it's both. It's for those in leadership and it's for those who are Christian. And in verses 42 to 44, Jesus gives us this other, another story about a, a, a servant that's over everything, or a servant that's become a manager, okay? So there's a manager is to, to give food to the servants at the right time. If the manager is faithful and wise, during the owner's absence, during the master's absence, they will serve well. They'll be working, doing what they're supposed to do. And in verse 43, whenever the master returns and, 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 and is doing the right thing, when the master returns, verse 44, we're told that that servant who was doing what he was supposed to do, when the master returns, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. In other words, there's a promotion for the servant, isn't there? Whenever the master comes back and the servant's been doing the job, doing it faithfully, working at it, there is promotion. There is promotion for the servant. The master comes back and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Does that echo in your mind? See, to be faithful workers, faithful servants of Jesus, to be faithful followers of Jesus, this is what happens when Jesus comes back or we die before that point. Faithful followers of Jesus will be rewarded with a promotion. We will be promoted. We will be promoted to glory. No longer working in the filth and grime of this world. We will be perfect. We will be promoted. For working servants, faithful to Jesus, we will be co-heirs with Jesus, ruling alongside him, reigning alongside him, praising him forevermore. That is promotion. The master looks after his servants, doesn't he? Serving them. Promoting them. It's another picture of God's marvelous grace, isn't it? But on the other hand, faithful servants will be promoted. What happens to the unfaithful servants? Verse 45 onwards gives a very different picture, doesn't it? It's very stark. Those unfaithful servants will be severely punished for not doing the job. The master's absence gives a false sense of independence. And that's true of the world, isn't it? Where's Jesus? We don't need him. He's not even here. That's what the world says. There's a false sense of independence, so they think they're in charge and do anything they like. And that's what the servant does, doesn't it? Instead of working faithfully for the master, the servant decides to do whatever give, give, gives him a kick, as it were, literally. They use their position in their, for their own desires and end, not treating others well. And, well, they end up a wee bit like the fool from last week. They're just relaxing, eating, drinking, and being merry. And when the masters return, there will not be a promotion but judgment. With the uncertainty of the masters return, as the servant has this party, doing what they like, when the master suddenly returns, they are caught out. There's grave punishment. It's quite gruesome, isn't it? It's figurative, of course. It's extreme punishment. But do you see this unfaithful servant in verse 46? We'll cut to pieces. But where does the Lord send the unfaithful servant? With the unbelievers. Those who aren't working for Jesus are sent with the unbelievers because they weren't trusting him. They weren't ready for him. They weren't following him. 
If you're faithful and wise, if you're serving Jesus, you'll be promoted. He will serve you. But if you're not, you're cast out. You're thrown out. It's a striking and dreadful result. Jesus is not going to assign true believers with unbelievers, but he will assign those who look like servants but aren't really servants with the unbelievers. Jesus knows. Stop giving an illusion of belief. Turning up the church, pretend you have a sincere love and devotion for God, but the reality is you don't trust Jesus. You aren't ready. You might be able to disguise and fool all around you, but you'll not get past the master because as we read these verses, there's different accountability for each of us, isn't there? The more you know, the more you'll be punished. And it's a great warning for some, isn't it? For you're here today, I don't know many years and so on, but let's imagine over the course of your lifetime, 40 years, 40 Sundays a year, you go to church. 1,600 sermons. I've been here a bit, so there's been a few duds. Between 15 and 1,600 sermons, you've been called saving faith in Jesus. You know, you know an awful lot. What happens? Those who, verse 48, remember, um, verse 48, but the one who does not know and does these things, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. You know much, but you haven't responded. Therefore, judgment will be most severe for you compared to our Arkham people, for instance. They know very little, and they will face less judgment than you. Jesus' servants, his disciples, or us, or us followers, we are to be faithful. We have a, a profession of faith. We can say we are servants, but we also need to be working. That's what the Lord requires of us, that we are ready and serving. Judgment is... This here springs a surprise on the church score simply, doesn't it? It doesn't mention about turning up. It mentions about being ready. It's shock for those of us who think we're in the inside, but you're not because you're not ready for Jesus. You're not trusting in him. The servant did not obey the master and is punished. And that's challenging for the Christian too, isn't it? We claim to be ready for Jesus we claim to be servants for Jesus, but are we working for Jesus? Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Are we faithful to that? Are we going? Are we making? Isn't that so challenging? For each of us, we're so concerned with maybe what others might think about us, maybe especially your young people in school, having the right friends, doing well, but we need to be living in a way that is faithful to Jesus. We need to be an example of a servant we just don't live for ourselves, but we live for Jesus. Communicant members, of which there are a lot, those who profess faith in Jesus, are you a faithful servant? Our gifts are to be used in service. Gift of working with children, young people, whatever, music, administration, the service of Jesus and his church. Peter asked the question in verse 41, who's this about? Is this for the apostles, or is this for everybody else? And while there's a greater the greater the responsibility, the greater the punishment will be when you fail to serve the master. So teachers who are false will be greater punished. So you can imagine someone going to train ministers, probably elevated above that again. So we need to pray for that. But in James 3, 
verse 1 says, not many of you shall become teachers because you'll be judged with greater strictness. So in a sense, elders and teachers are going to stand hand in hand one day before the throne of God, and they'll have to give an account that their concern was for you, for the flock of God that we fed you with God's word, that we protected you from wolves, that we saved you in your hour of need, that we encouraged you and shepherded you and guided you and protected you, and we will need to give an account for that. And yes, this is for leaders, but it's for Christians too, isn't it? We all have a responsibility to serve Jesus and be expected to serve with knowledge and responsibility. Slothful and unfaithful servants, the punishment is severe. Verse 47, the servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his masters want will be beaten with many blows. It's judgment for those who know and don't serve. We are judged for what we do and don't do. What happens if the servant decides, actually, Jesus is going to go away for a long time. I'm not quite sure when he's going to come back, so I'm just going to do what I want. With great privilege of knowing Jesus as our Savior comes great responsibility. You know what to do, but we are unfaithful servants, aren't we? Every day. Every person with a Bible has a great responsibility. Every child brought up in a Christian home Every unbelieving husband or wife has great responsibility because they have heard and heard and heard about Jesus. We know we should be discipling our children, but are we doing it? We know we are to make disciples, but are we doing it? We know we are to serve Jesus, but are we doing it? We are to be working servants, doing Christ's work. And if you aren't doing Christ's work and serving him, you're neglecting your duty. We struggle to be faithful servants, even though we know Jesus is coming back. And it is hard, hard to read about the judgment that come. But because Jesus is coming back, we can be faithful servants. Why? Because he gives us a helper in his spirit. We can always be ready. We can always be working. Because taking this all together, there are two wonderful pictures, isn't there? There's this wonderful picture of the faithful servants who are ready and working. And there Jesus says, sit down. Come eat at my table. Be part of my family. I will serve you. Just not only that. You know, you know the wedding, you can go to the way back table. Jesus says, you're at the top table. You are my bride, the church. And you'll be at the top table with me. You'll be promoted to glory. You'll be co-heirs with me. What a wonderful picture for God's faithful people. Because you're ready. You know Jesus. You trust him and you follow him. But on the other hand, those who aren't ready, the unfaithful servants, not ready or working, well, it's destroyed and cast out, Jesus says. An ugly picture. Ugly, ugly, ugly. But how beautiful is it to be sitting around the table of Jesus as all of God's people being served by our master. Let's pray. 